When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer, where I've worked since 1994. And as always in this podcast, I'm traveling across the Carolinas, seeking out some of my very favorite sports legends. Now, for this episode, we're in Charlotte at the Levine Jewish Community Center. Del Curry, the former Charlotte Hornets star, has held his annual summer basketball camp here for decades. And so today we're catching Dale between camp sessions and are seated across from him in a room close to one of the facility's gyms. Known for his three-point sharpshooting, Dale Curry had a 16-year NBA career, including 10 years playing for the Hornets from 1988 to 1998. Del Curry has such a quick release. It's a one-piece shot, and his first two hit nothing but the bottom of the net three in a row. He was the NBA's sixth man of the year in 1994 retired as the Charlotte Hornets' all-time leading scorer, and now as the team's color analyst on its TV broadcasts. These days, Dell is also pretty well known for being the father of Steph Curry, a two-time NBA Most Valuable Player. He's going to talk about all sorts of things in this podcast episode, including his thoughts on the newest Charlotte Hornets team, how he thought he'd never get married again, and the time in high school that Steph Curry nearly quit basketball. Dell, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. You and uh, Steph now will compose the very first father-son duo on uh, Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Would you say that's the greatest honor of your career? <laughs> it's right up there. I got to tell you, we're we're a lot of uh, on a lot of uh, father-son duo accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, uh, but this one's got to be the peak. I would it's think it's got to be yeah. up there. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, seriously, though, let's do start with this. Uh, Tell me sort of how you balance everything in your life. We're at a basketball camp here, obviously, this week. You're a TV analyst for the Hornets, and that is a rigorous schedule. Uh, but you're also a father and a grandfather. Uh, when you retired from the NBA, I feel like maybe you got busier. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. Uh, that's, you know, I, I retired, came back here to Charlotte. My last three years were in Toronto. Uh, came back to Charlotte and just uh, got involved in, in my son's and my daughter's uh, sports career. My daughter went on to play volleyball at Elon, but helped coach Sean Brown at Charlotte Christian in my son's career. I, I enjoyed that immensely. Uh, started playing a lot of golf uh, in 2003, um, but watching my kids grow and, and play and love the game that uh, provided so much for us and being able to participate in that, help them improve their game uh that was really a joy uh after my playing days were over and you briefly if i remember right were uh an nba assistant coach and then yeah. quickly transitioned out <laughs> what well, tell me the story behind that sam vincent uh, was a new coach here uh and um he was looking for new coaches uh, i was in the the organization the front office kind of a player development off the floor role and lee rose the late lee rose said hey Probably guy, probably the best shooter in history of the franchise in the front office. So I went out and talked uh, to Sam. He convinced me to, shoot, to join the coaching staff for a summer. 
Um, and I learned quickly that coaching just wasn't my thing. But on the, the flip side of that, if I had continued to coach, I would have missed all of Davidson's run uh, that year when they went to the lead eight. So things work out for a reason. Uh, but yeah, coaching, I, I like it on the high school level. Uh, didn't enjoy it that much, especially in the summertime in the NBA. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> the, uh, the brutal hours. Yeah. Uh, and yet, but the, your TV schedule, you've done this since, I think, 2009 or yes, something? That's correct. Uh-huh. So you're a real veteran uh, at that. What, and that is a lot of travel, too. What do you like? What's kept you in doing that? that I think that's, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with the Hornets um, since they were came back as a, as a, fr- a franchise with the, the Bobcats in 2005 uh, in different roles. And I was going to transition out. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, but the color analyst was leaving that year, uh, the late Henry Williams. I'd done some college uh, analysts uh, in the past, and I really enjoyed that. And I remember Rod Higgins coming to my office and say, hey, um, you know, our analyst is leaving. Uh, why don't you try that? We're going to throw it out to some, some people interview. And I did a couple of games. Uh, and after the season, they said, hey, you want the job? And they told me what it entailed, doing all 82 games. I had no problem with that. The travel was pretty easy. I could take my golf clubs and good cities, play some golf. Uh, but stay involved in the game that's been so good to me, the game that I love, you know, just talking uh, about the game, talking about the Hornets franchise, the players. Uh, and I really enjoy it. And my boys are obviously in the NBA, so they're busy during that time of the year anyway. So, uh I, pl- I watch a lot of basketball during the NBA season, don't get a lot of rest, uh, but I love every minute of it. And you do uh, well, I think, when you call your son's games. It's interesting to listen to that, and sometimes I've just listened to the broadcast for the heck of it. Uh, I think, I- I'm trying to remember, I feel like you call them Curry and not by their first <laughs> names. Tell me sort of how you navigate that. Um, it was tough at, at the start. Steph was uh, you know, rookie first couple of years in the league. And when I watch his games at home, I'm, I watch him, but also watching the game. And I found myself doing that. Uh, and I'm like, hey, you got to back up. You got to watch the other nine guys on the court, too. Right. Yeah, sometimes I call them Curry most of the time because they're on the the, the opposing team. Uh, but I remember that my mom is watching and she's going to call me after the game and let me know how I did. So, mm-hmm. so sometimes I call them Steph and Seth. It just depends on how they play. But uh, they've been really good players in the league. It's easy to call their games now. They know the game. It's, I can be a dad and a fan, uh, not so much a, a coach to them anymore. Um, so it's it's great to be able to watch them grow, uh, become the, 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 the young men that they are. Now that they have families, they're really busy. I know how it is. So I, uh, most of the time I leave them alone, especially during the year. We'll talk, you know, once a week, every other week. Uh, but I know they're busy uh, trying to help their team and grind and, and lead the family at home. You spoke about their families and, and of course, your daughter, Sidell, as well. So how many grandchildren do you I've have? Got, presently, I've got seven and one on the way. My daughter is due uh, in a couple of weeks, so I have eight. Wow. Uh, I think that may be it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. <laughs> and do you get... Uh, suckered into babysitting duty sometimes i do i enjoy that um i think being a granddad is is the best thing you could you know spoil them to death and hand them back uh, i just had steph's three at my house a couple of weeks ago for a week i forgot how tough that is uh <laughs> being on call for 24 7 with uh 11 8 and 5 year old in your house but uh it's it's good uh being in, in the role that i am the summers are off i'm able to really uh be a, a granddad let get to know them and let them get to know me. 
um, and, you know, just, just be there whenever I can. Steph's got two daughters, and then uh, uh, his youngest is his only son, Cannon. I think you mentioned what his name was pretty appropriate. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he is a cannon. He's a fireball. He's, uh, he, he's adventurous. He's tough. I love that about him. He's all boy. Uh, and Steph and I used to always say, well, we got to team that. I'm like, no, that'll, that'll team itself. Let him be a boy. You know, let him sneak up behind granddad, punch him in the gut, <laughs> say, did that hurt? <laughs> I'll go, yeah, it's a good one, Cannon. It's good. Uh, so it's, it's all good fun. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Let's go back into Del Curry's history. So tell me about uh, the circumstances of your growing up in Virginia, what it was like, who raised you, and so on. Uh, two loving parents. Um, I was the youngest of five in a very small town. Um, sports was really my outlet. Uh, being in the house with four sisters, my dad took me everywhere uh, with him. My parents, I saw them get up and go to work at General Electric every day. They went to work together. They came home together. Uh, we had the biggest garden uh, in the area. Me and my father worked it. I really uh, did not know how little we had. Um, my parents did the very best they could, and they gave us all the resources uh, and encouragement that they could um, just to be who we were uh, and be who, who we are as individuals. My dad passed in 91, um, still close to my mother. She still lives in the same house I grew up in. Wow. Tried hmm. to buy her a house. She got offended. <laughs> um, she wasn't leaving. No, she was not. Yeah. And uh, what was that hometown? What Grottos, Virginia. Grottos, Grottos Virginia. Wow. Yeah, I looked that up on the map. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, still close to my family. Um, my oldest sister passed about a month ago. Oh, I'm sorry. So that was a big loss uh, mm. to us. But um, I, my, my family is still very close, and uh, we're in a good place. Isn't there a story about the backyard goal you grew up shooting on, or, or maybe it wasn't your own backyard? Tell me, where'd you where'd you learn that uh, sweet shot? It was in the backyard. Uh, visited my mom uh, a few weeks ago, and that goal is still there. I remember uh, any certain particular night, the neighbors would call my mom and dad and say, hey, will you stop Dale from shooting? It's 10, 11 o'clock at night, because my dad put my goal right on a, a a light, a telephone pole, which had a light connected to it. So I could shoot it, shoot baskets all hours of the night. Um, and that was one way for me to get out of the house. I tell this story all the time. And it's, it's, it's true. My sisters would lock me out of the house when my mom and dad went to work. They'd feed me lunch, uh, make sure I was fed. But uh, being from a small town with not a lot of boys around, I just shot basketball all day. Uh, when I got in trouble, my dad took my shotgun and my fishing pole and my basketball and it hurt, it hurt to the core. Uh, I'm like, oh, what do I do now? Uh, so I credit my sisters a lot for teaching me how to shoot and, and be able to put in the hours. And then my high school coach, um, he was a high school coach, physical education, guidance counselor, but he also uh, lived on a dairy farm with a, a goal in the barn. And that goal uh, was mine for the taking anytime I wanted. He'd, he'd often come pick me up bring me to his farm and let me shoot for hours at a time. So it was inside the barn or inside on the out? barn. It was uh-huh. inside the barn. So uh, the weather in Shenandoah uh, Valley did not matter whether what the weather was like. Like I an indoor court. Yeah, that's right. 
uh, were uh, cows around, or was that? It's dairy farm. So cows it, were everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Your first. I audience? worked on that dairy farm too. Is like, oh, like, did I you? Yes, yeah. I did. Now, when your sisters locked you out, was this punishment, or were they just like, "Dale, get out of the house"? They claimed that I was doing something mischievous, picking on one of them, and all of them ganged on me and put me out of the house, <laughs> locked the door. And I'm like, okay, I'll just shoot basketball the rest of the day till Dad comes home, and I was fine with that. You pitched also, right? I, I did. Baseball was my first love. Uh, my dad uh, and my uncle played in a, kind of a minor uh, Negro league, and my uh, uncle was the pitcher. My dad was the catcher. My uncle taught me how to throw a curveball, uh, and I love baseball. I love pitching. I was drafted out of high school by Texas, went on to college, and I visited Virginia, Virginia Tech where I went, West Virginia, Maryland, and NC State. In Virginia, and all with the assumption that I would play two sports. So I went to Virginia Tech. I did not play my freshman year. Uh, I got mononucleosis toward the end of the, uh, my freshman year. I didn't play. Sophomore year, I got invited to the Olympic trials in 84. I got cut twice. That's a trivia. Got no, cut that, twice that from happened. that team. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I was there. I was with Michael, and, and Bobby Knight was the coach. I was I got cut. I'm in the airport. They cut the, the team to 24 players. I was in the airport. Uh, had drove, driven to the airport with a couple other buddies, and I'm sitting waiting for my plane. And I hear Dale Curry pick up the white courtesy phone. I'm thinking it's my buddies messing with me, so I just sit there. And three more times, Dale Curry pick up the white courtesy phone. I picked it up. I'm like, Yo, what do you want? And it's the, the one of the uh, U.S. Co- US Olympic Committee uh, men saying, Hey, Roosevelt Chapman got the chicken pox he was the 24th guy you're the 25th Uh, he can't play do you want to come back and and play in the game well I wanted to go back to Virginia Tech and play baseball so I called my college coach Charlie Moyer and he said well it's really up to you You call your dad I called my dad and he goes get your butt back to the Olympic team (laughs) and try to make the Olympics so I went back uh, stayed another week, 10 days, got cut again, but it was too late to play baseball. Uh, so I didn't play. I played my junior year, was 6-1, and one, got drafted by the Orioles, and my dad once again said, no, I think you can play in the NBA. You're not going to West Virginia to play in a rookie ball. <laughs> so stay in school and get your degree and try to make it the NBA. Your dad's name was? His name was Wardell Curry. He did not have a middle name. So my name's Wardell Stephen Curry, and, of course, Stephen is the second. Uh, but my dad's just Wardell Curry. Just straight up Wardell yeah. Curry, yeah. yeah. So, they called him Jack. I don't know how that ever came about, but they call him Jack, Jack huh. Curry. And so did you have a substantial signing bonus for baseball that you had to think about turning down or not no, really? No, it never got that far. I think out of high school, Texas said, we know you're going to college. We're just going to keep your rights. And kind of Baltimore and, and, and college was kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. They really – I, they must have talked to my dad before me, and he said, I don't care what you offer, he's not leaving. So it, it never evolved to that. <laughs> Most people in the Carolinas, you probably came onto their radar um, in a big way when you joined the Hornets. So tell me about that and sort of those very first Hornets teams. Um, well, I was very fortunate to join the Hornets. I, I wasn't so sure at the time. I was playing my second year in Cleveland, and we had a really good team, Brad Doherty, Mark Price, Ron Harper. The general manager, Wayne Embry, told me it was between me and Craig Elo as to who was going to be protected. You could protect eight uh, uh, of your 12-man roster. Yeah, yeah. And he knew whichever one of us he didn't protect would be drafted. He told me that he thought Elo had a better chance of guarding MJ. In the, <laughs> just so you know how that worked out. Uh-huh. <laughs> A-Lux, 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 he gives to Jordan. 
circle, puts the shot in the air. Good! The game's over, and the Bulls have won. Would you have done better? <laughs> yeah, no, but I would have scored more than Elo. That's true. <laughs> so we got to weigh that option, too. Him, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew um, I was going to be drafted, uh, an expansion draft. And, boy, I tell you, what a, what a blessing it was to be able to play here in Charlotte four hours from where I grew up. Family and friends could come, but they had to call first. So it was big. Mets still have some of the greatest friends, teammates. Of course, Muggsy still lives here. Uh, Lonzo, Larry Johnson. Kendall Gill, Hersey Hawkins, Rex, you go down the list. Here's Dell, tries out a three from the corner. Yes, Dell Curry. Bunch of young guys trying to figure their way in the NBA. We all figured it out together. But uh, to be the first guy drafted and the last guy to leave from the original team, I think is really special. Uh, and it's the reason why I stayed here. I love Charlotte. Uh, the city really wrapped their arms around me and my family when, when, uh, when we were here. Um, so this is home now. Yeah, that's true. You were the, so it's kind of like you turned on the lights and then you were the last one out and turned off the yeah, lights, right. didn't you? Yeah. In a little bit. We did one of these with Muggsy as well, and uh, we were talking about what might have happened if they didn't trade Zoe, basically. Yeah. Unbelievable times where we could have done something special if we all would have kept that band together. What was, in your opinion, what would have happened? Well, I mean, hindsight, you know how that is, but we were, we were such a close knit team. We had good chemistry. We knew each other like the back of our hands, and, and we all knew how to play basketball. We were, we were a really good team. And we, we knew that was going to be um, the turning point of, of whether we could have an opportunity to possibly win it, win a title, was whether we could keep Zoe, who was just, just coming into his own. Yeah. And we knew that if, if Zoe had a sign and stayed here, we, we thought, hey, we I mean, we still got to go through Chicago and New York and Boston, but hey, we're we're, we're right there, and it's a learning curve um, if you want to get there. You got to keep your core together. We had a great core, so it was very disappointing when that didn't happen. Uh, we knew we still had a decent team, but losing a guy like Alonzo Mourning changes the outlook of of what kind of team you can become. Very difficult to replace. Yeah. Uh, and so in those days, Steph and Seth uh, famously would shoot sometimes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how young were they when they started, and, and how did that sort of develop, that they'd be um, out there with you? So I came here in 88 uh, when Stefan was born, and they kind of grew up. Uh, when they started going to the games, they would shoot basketball in the back in the family room until they come out and they'd watch the game. They loved going to practice. Um, I'd say, okay, boys, you can go to practice. You can shoot around, but when practice starts, you got to, you know, get a great Gatorade. You can hold the basketball as long as it doesn't hit the floor, but you got to pay attention. We're professionals. It's a professional team. It's your, your dad is at work. I tried to really stress that it was my job to play basketball. I don't know how much they got that at a young age, but I think as they got older and, and started coming into the locker room and, and find, finding out how hard the preparation was for each game, I think the light turned on like, hey, this is a job. This is work. It's a game, but uh, it's it's serious stuff. Uh, and I think that really uh, helped them get to where they are now, the learning, the work ethic, um, knowing how serious the game was. But they they loved the game. And I was fortunate that my boys loved to do everything I love to do, hunt, fish, golf. Uh, but the number one thing was basketball. And they would get upset when they couldn't go to weekday games because of school. Uh, we didn't want to make sure that they – Knew it was a privilege to, get, to go to the games. They understood that. Uh, and now I get some feedback from them now. I go, hey, Dad, we understand 
what you were doing, uh, how you were teaching us uh, as we were growing up having kids of their own. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. You mentioned off air, Dale, but uh, was the three-point shot available in your college basketball career? No, it was not. I would have scored a ton more points. <laughs> Bimbo Coles would not be the league scorer in Virginia Tech if I had a three-point <laughs> shot. I played one game uh, versus Cincinnati uh, as a trial game. They were trying out the three-point shot. I was four for seven. I thought, this is easy. Can I redshirt and come back and play another year of college? But, uh, yeah, only one game. But the NBA was already uh, very much a part of the game. But I guess when you came in the league, I mean, sort of describe – people are so used to teams shooting either a layup or a three-pointer now, but it wasn't nearly like that, right? The three-point shot was in the NBA. It really wasn't a big part of the game. Um, I look back at some of the video uh, of the late 80s, 90s, the game, the entire game was played inside the three-point arc. And uh, my coworker, Eric Collins, reminds me of that every single Hornets broadcast. Yeah. This day in 1992, Del Curry, how many threes did you take? <laughs> I'll go six. He goes two. <laughs> I mean, we just, That's I mean, crazy. Yeah, yeah, teams would take eight, 10, 12 a game. Steph mm. takes that in a quarter. So it's it's uh, really transformed. It really has. Excellent defense by Boston. Oh, and now Curry gets it right back from half court. And it's good. A Curry moment in Boston. Got it off in time. And drills a half court shot to give the Warriors the halftime lead. So uh, with Steph, uh, didn't you – tell me once that you sort of had to transform his shot at one point over a summer or I mean he he loaded up way low I can't tell me that he was a small kid and to get the ball to this shot off he would load up from his waist just kind of push it up it went in Mm -hmm. and it would work in high school but he goes dad I think I want to go to college I'm like all right well we got to change your shot he goes what (laughs) like yeah we got to move your shot up you know kind of forehead above your head or you're going to get it blocked you're not going to be able to get your shot off so he trusted his dad, who's an NBA player, shooter, is what he did. He, he trusted his dad. It was a really tough summer. He he was real close to like, I'm not doing this. Uh, I'm not playing basketball. But I'm like, son, you got to stick with it. It'll work. Uh, he did, and it was it was a month or so before he could get before he was strong enough to shoot outside the the, the paint. Wow. Um, and how old was he now? At he this point? It was after his sophomore year. After his uh, sophomore year in, in Charlotte high school, Christian. Charlotte mm-hmm. Christian. So. So him, he actually thought about giving up basketball for a did. second. I tough. can't believe that. It was tough. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I can't do it. It's too hard. I mean, he's like, you know, 5'8", yeah. 115, 20 yeah. pounds. So, but thank goodness he trusted old dad. <laughs> and so when did it? When did he come into his own, do you think, well, in your opinion? Probably when he got to Davidson. the top looking for a screen he goes back door and how about that pass by the number one assist man in the country Jason Richards look at this look from Memphis he was a good great high school player didn't meet the eye small knew the game could really shoot was too uh, it was too unselfish 
I often remind him we're in a high school uh, independent league championship game. They doubled him. He makes the right play. He passes it to the guy who's open, misses a shot. And on the way back, I'm like, Steph, we'd rather you take that shot with two guys on you. So I think he understood that. Played summer league, and I saw a different player in summer league after he drafted. I'm like, that's how you need to play when you get to Davidson. Got to Davidson, and uh, that light was really on. And uh, Bob McKillop, he's in the Curry circle for life, how he coached Steph, challenged him every every game, trusted him after having the 13 turnovers in the first game uh, that he played his career. We had an annual event at uh, uh, Myers Park Presbyterian Church in which I'd give a, a prognosis for the season. And... Uh, I went in that morning and it was a breakfast meeting with maybe 150 or so alums and uh, pronounced very boldly, uh, Stephen Curry is going to go down in history as one of the greats in Davidson College basketball history. And uh, that's how confident I was. But that's the kind of confidence that he gave you. Curry right back with a three. Great vision. Curry off the window. High and in. Is, is it remarkable? Here we are some 15 years later, and he's still giving that confidence to Steve Kerr and his Golden State teammates. What a, a capacity for leadership that is. And sure enough, uh, he lived up to every expectation and beyond as he played here for three years. But I think somewhere after his freshman year, Start of his sophomore year, a couple of games in, I'm like, okay, he's got a shot. McKillop saw it before me. He told me he's a freshman after his first tournament game in Michigan. We're coming through the airport, and he goes, your son's going to make a lot of money playing this game. And I went, okay, maybe in Europe. But as every other, as the games went on, I'm like, yeah, coach, he's got a good eye. He had it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he'd seen enough at that point, I guess. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. So to switch gears for a second off of that, but so tell me a little bit about Seth growing up because in any other family, Seth Curry would be an absolute superstar. Mm -hmm. and, in, and, in, and he is a star and he's made a ton of money in the NBA. He also is, is in Steph's shadow. Yeah. How, how has he handled that and how did he handle that even growing up? Seth's that middle child. <laughs> he rolls with the beat of his drum. Always has. I love, I love that about him. He's confident. Uh, he's sure about himself. And when Stefan was blowing up, he was like, what's a big deal? I beat him in the backyard before. I don't know. What are you guys? So Stefan being drafted number seven, kind of ascending to the superstardom early in his career. Um, Seth knew he'd have a, a different path to get to where he wanted to be and um, transferring from Liberty to Duke. Senior year playing with a stress fracture in his tibia. Coach K said Seth had earned the respect to not have to practice. And I'd watch, go to practice, and Seth would play dummy offense or prepare for a team. And then when they would scrimmage, he'd go down and condition in, in the pool. I can't imagine how hard that is as a senior year at Duke to do that and then have the year that, uh, that he had. Curry step back over Bullock. It's Seth Curry with nine already. And he scored in a variety of ways. He shot a three. He took a drive to the goal. He shot the medium-range jump shot. And then after that year, knowing he's got to get his leg fixed, 
myself and his agent said, hey, you probably won't get drafted. If you do, it'll be late. But we've got a two-year plan figured out through the G League to try to get you into the league. And it was just about two years to, to the day before he really got his, his shot. He had a few 10 days, but really didn't get a chance to play. And then my buddy, Vladi Divac, when he was GM with the Sacramento Kings, gave him a shot. Wow. And I knew he, Seth was an NBA player. Being undrafted on a veteran team, you got to wait for your shot. But more importantly, you got to be ready for your shot. And I went and saw Seth play in, uh, in the Erie Bayhawks, I believe it was, in, in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. In the wintertime, wow. nothing against Erie people, yeah. but it is not, it's a lot of snow. It's not exactly to, L.A. Yeah. I tried to fly in twice. The plane got turned around. I finally drove, and <laughs> Seth was having an unbelievable G League season. I said, son, if you can stay focused on your goal in this type of condition, you're going to be an NBA player. So I'm super proud of Seth, you know, blocking out the noise, you know, figuring out what it's going to take for him to be an NBA player and then to be ready for a shot and take advantage of it. Tell us about your daughter as well. So proud of Sadell. She went to Elon on a volleyball scholarship. She's a psychology major. She's married to Damian Lee, who plays for the Phoenix Suns. They have a, a son, Daxon Wardell Xavier Lee, uh, and a daughter on the way. She's another one that uh, is on this social media kick. They, they pay her to – Advertise social on social media. I don't understand how, how does that, that works. I don't yeah. know. I don't ask any questions. I'm on <laughs> I, on Instagram just to keep up with my kids. I don't know right. much there, but I, every time I see her, thank you for this. I'm like, wow, okay, that's a good life. <laughs> just, right. Yeah, but she's a great mom. They're great parents. Um, she's super supportive of, of her husband, Damien. They're just starting their life and a career and family, so, but very proud of them. That's exciting. Doing. But all of them live uh, pretty far away then. That's now, the problem. Yeah. All, all my grandkids, I've got Seth now back in Dallas. He was in Brooklyn last year. Um, Steph, of course, in the Bay. He'll never leave there. Yeah. People ask me, will Steph come back and play for the Hornets? I think they like him in the Bay a little too much. And then my daughter in Phoenix. Everybody's on the West Coast. Uh, Seth's the closest, so it's tough. And I'll have a day or two off in each of the cities where I can spend some time during, during the winter months in the basketball season. But summer months is really when i got to catch up with the grandkids. Steph is uh, one, one big golf tournament uh, the Unbelievable. other day. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. In the hole! He's got a chance. Oh, it goes in! And Steph Curry is the winner. You know, I, I did media for uh, the American Century about a month before that tournament. And they asked me how was Steph's game. And I said, he can win it. And the room kind of went quiet. I said, he can win it this year because he's had time to work on his game. He's not afraid of the moment. He's a very good golfer. And he's got a short game to go with it. But it, it's always a fun time. It's the best week of, of, of the year for me. I get to spend time a week with my two boys. we got a great group. Our caddies, everybody get along. We've We've got uh, we rent a couple of condos, adjoining condos. I grill for everybody one night. Uh, we have a big time, just hanging out, playing golf, having fun. But for Steph to win that and make a hole in one on live TV, can't make that up. Steph, five top tens, finished four three times. And as we have said earlier today and in previous years, and it's obvious he can really play. Boy, this is right at it if it gets there. How about that? Oh, 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 are you kidding me? 
<laughs> but his game was ready. There was something that he really wanted to do. That was a bucket list item for him to win the American Century uh, Celebrity Golf Tournament. It's tough. Uh, I finished 11th, which is uh, my goal is the top 10. I finished 11th. I've been in the top 10, I think, twice. My game's okay. I, I I can't putt well enough to win, but for an old guy, top 10 finishes all I want. I remember you and Steph used to have some real battles, right? Yeah, now, is he clearly better now? He, he, gives me a, he gives me a shot or two aside. Okay. Uh, Still Seth's, close. Yeah. Seth's game has improved immensely. He's about a six, I think, six or eight right now. And you this are? Was, I was I'm a two, two, three ish. Steph, uh, Steph's a scratch. He's probably uh, a plus something. Yeah. But we we take a couple of golf trips. I turn sixty next year, and mm. I'm looking forward to that golf trip that uh, the boys are going to put together. Where are you going to go? With me, I think we're we're going to Ireland. Oh, uh, I hope so. We've been it took me to Scotland for my fiftieth. I uh, hope we go to Ireland for my sixtieth. We've got a good group of guys because golf trips are all about the guys you go with. Uh, so they let me put the group together. I think I've got eight guys that we all know we can have fun and we have a great time. Oh, that'll be great. Put on your NBA analyst hat for a second, and let's take your own family out of the equation. Your Mount Rushmore of all-time greats in the NBA would be? All-time greats. and I, Again, you can go all over the spectrum of this, but i got to go with guys that I personally played with and went against on the court. Okay. Um, so obviously Jordan is one. Magic, Larry Bird, and I'm going to go with Kim Olajuwon. Again, I know I'm leaving people off. Right. So that's don't, a don't shoot the messenger. That's a strong, there. That's yeah. a strong group. <laughs> you, Steph, and Seth play a game of horse right now. Would you hang with them, and who would who would win? I would hang with them. But I'm almost 60. I'll hang with them for a couple of games. And then, and obviously the obvious answer would be Steph. But I'm telling you, Seth was a better shooter. He's always been a better shooter um, from day one. Never had to change his shot. He always shot it perfectly. He always had, had that. Had great wow. form. He's got great confidence. He works just as hard as his brother. So I'm going to go draw. I know that's the dad thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna I want to stick with it. I'd, I'd hold up tight for a minute, but I'm gonna go draw. The Queen City has a new king. There's Mama. Uh, Kimba Walker broke your all-time scoring record with the Hornets in 2018. Were you sorry to see that one go? I was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be lying if I didn't say it. I was sorry. I'm happy for Kimba, but I was sorry to see that one go. Yeah. I really enjoyed that as a broadcaster, as still a member of the Hornets organization, to be that leading scorer. I mean, that, yeah, that walk with my chest something. stuck out yeah. a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. still there. Uh, and now I think I'm the leader in steals and games played and oh. personal fouls. <laughs> <laughs> I played enough games to get that. But, yeah, that hurt me when Kimmel broke my record. He's a great guy. I couldn't ask for a better guy to do it, but it hurt. The Hornets uh, just sold, got sold. Uh, Michael Jordan gave up the controlling interest to a new ownership group led by Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin. You emceed that introductory press conference. We saw each other there. Uh, but how have those two, the new owners, struck you so far? Oh, very well. Uh, I think they're aggressive. They want to win. Anytime you have new ownership of a sports team, there's a, some excitement that comes along with that. And then – knowing how that those guys know about the league with Gabe 
being a minority owner and Rick being a minority owner with the, the Hawks. They know the league. They know how it works, salary cap, all that. They want to change the franchise and get it back to where the city can be excited, be proud, and be winners. Um, not only with the venue at Spectrum Center, with what they're going to do in the community, and then obviously the product on the, on the floor. I think this is a big year for the entire organization. Uh, it's kind of a, a reevaluation, kind of fighting for your job. I think everybody uh, with new ownership coming in, trying to put their own stamp on it. I'm excited for uh, the future of the Hornets with the signing of LaMelo and, and uh, getting some players back with new ownership. It's, it's going to be an exciting year this year, and I know it's going to be exciting for years to come. Do you feel like this? What you the roster is pretty much set now. That this is a playoff team. It's an improved team. I think I've got to look around and, and kind of survey the rest of uh, the Eastern Conference to see. You know, you see the changes on paper, but until you see the product on the floor, um, you really don't know um, where everybody's going to shake out. And obviously, health wise and everything that's involved. But I would think yes, with the improvement of some of the younger players, the player development, and then some of the guys that will rejoin the team uh, and come back. And you've got a guys, a few guys playing for contracts. That always helps mm-hmm. uh, throughout the year. So I, I would say yes. Right now, without seeing the rest of the league, it's a playoff team. You uh, went through a high-profile divorce here in Charlotte a few years ago, and now I think have gotten remarried. Yes. How's that going? It's great. Scott, I wasn't expected. I didn't know what I was going to do. It was a tough time. I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought about going to the West Coast. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to follow my sons. I'm going to stick it out, hang here. Uh, And then I had friends who introduced me to my wife now. I'd met her a couple times, talked on the phone for a month before I laid eyes on her. I'm like, oh, I like this girl, man. What's going on here? I wasn't going to get married again. Uh, But life is great right now. It couldn't be better for me. I'm at a great place in my life. Uh, my home situation is sound. My kids are, family's doing great. They're happy for me. I'm happy for them. So life's good. That's great. And her name is? Nikki. And y'all have been married a year Almost now, a roughly. year. Yeah. Almost a year. Yeah, congrats. That's awesome. And so final thoughts, I guess, from Del Curry, just sort of on, you've gone through a lot of life spectrum, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had a, you've from the, you know, fatherhood and just a lot of the markers I suppose of life you're going to speak to some campers later today but sort of what's your primary message to people these days um one if you have kids that play sports and you take film or you have video footage keep it organized because <laughs> your kid could your kids could grow up uh to be uh major sports play professionals and everybody's going to want that film and that footage but most importantly you know, whatever resources you have, make sure that your kids, uh, you give them all the resources you can. You give them the guidance. You tell them the truth, but you don't live your life through theirs. They've got to do it themselves. People always ask me, how'd you get your kids in the NBA? I'm like, oh, I called up Adam Silver, the late David Stern, and said, hey, my boys want to play in the NBA. No, I give them guidance. I show them how to play, but they've got to want it to do it themselves. Eventually, your, your voice is going to fade. But just be there as a parent to, to support, to encourage and tell them the truth. You know, life's full of ups and downs. You kind of, if you can level the playing field out for your for your kids, I think it'll help them in life, whatever they do, whether they're um, bankers, lawyers, columnists, professional athletes. They've got to know life is hard, but when it hits you, you got to keep working. 
Well, that's Del Curry. Very well said. And Del, we can't thank you enough for being on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Sports Legends of the Carolinas, a production of the Charlotte Observer. This show is produced by Lou May Ali Sally, Jeff Siner, and Cotta Stevens. The sports editor of the Charlotte Observer is Lydia Craver, and the executive editor is Raina Cash. Remember, you'll find much more about this interview and about all of our guests, including Steph Curry, Roy Williams, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and Don Staley, in our Sports Legends book. Pre-order your copy now at sportslegendsbook.com. For lots more sports content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com and consider a digital subscription. And connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. See you next time.